Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm chef, restaurant owner and music fan Paul Ainsworth and this is Knives, Forks and Tunes, the podcast where we ask the all-important questions, dream dinner party menu, playlist and of course, who's invited. Every episode's cooking tips and party playlists are available in the show description. My guest this week is multi-award-winning presenter, comedian and author Dom Jolly. His first series, Trigger Happy TV, was a primetime smash hit and ran for four years on Channel 4 and went on to be sold in more than 70 countries worldwide and win several awards and even returned to Channel 4 for another series in 2017. Dom has also made TV shows for BBC, Channel 5, Sky One, including BBC One's World Shut Your Mouth, More Pranks in Full Britannia and the brilliant travel series Dom Jolly's Happy Hour. No stranger to adventure, Dom's appeared on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here and The Island with Bear Grylls for Stand Up to Cancer and has won awards for his work as a travel writer having published The Dark Tourist, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps and The Downhill Hiking Club. Dom, welcome to Nice Forks and Tunes. How are you? I couldn't be in a better place really. These are all my interests, so it's great. (laughs) Fantastic, brilliant. Uh, Dom, before we get right into this, I mean, your your life, where you've been, what you've done is is incredible. Um, We'll get on to Trigger Happy, which I know is the obvious one, but... Me and my wife are massive fans. Oh, that's it was great. a great time in our great time in our life. We just met when that was uh, was on. But I know you're a massive fan of like Lebanese cuisine and you know, where you know, you've obviously had your childhood there. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so I suppose uh, so I grew up in Lebanon to English in an English family and we used to travel a lot between England and Lebanon. We'd normally drive every year from Lebanon to England. So I kind of, my exposure to food early on was amazing. We had a Lebanese cook. Yeah, we were a bit posh. And she had done weird training all over the place, like France, Greece. So kind of the stuff we ate was really, really varied from an early age, but always my happiest memory, food memory still is. We'd go, there's two places, a place called Luculus in, 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 um, in Beirut, and there's a place called Le Manège, just above where we lived, above Beirut. And basically, on any special occasion, we'd go out and you'd have the full Lebanese meze. Yeah. To me, I mean, the Lebanese main courses are amazing. There's a thing called Tabik, which I talked about in my... I just walked across Lebanon for a book, Downhill Hiking Club, and Tabik is home cooking. It's the sort of stuff you don't really see in restaurants, and it's very kind of comfort foodie. But really, the Lebanese experience that everyone knows is that just table full of about 50 bowls of things and I like that because I have real oh I want your thing and that's what I love about the meze everyone can have a bit of everything yeah yeah it's probably my favorite way of eating yeah yeah it's fantastic it's like tapas it's like everything because it's just yeah unless I get something I really like then I'm I'm unhappy with it because I'm having to share it yeah so it's difficult so mezes are all about positioning your things. You've got to make sure that things you really know you want all of, you need to look at it and go, oh, that's disgusting, and then push it right next to you and have it. <laughs> and sort of with your travels yeah. you know, and everything you've done and, you know, obviously you've been in, been in the jungle, but I'm more interested in, like, your travelling. What's, what's probably some of the more stranger things that you've eaten? Well, I've eaten... I mean, it's weird because I've been... I mean, really, all I've ever wanted to be was a travel writer when I was yeah. a kid growing up in Lebanon. And so Trigger Happy and the comedian thing kind of was a bit of a, a segue. It wasn't meant to be. Uh, but I've now been to 106 countries. I've done some very weird places. And when I travel and when I travel right, I go on my own. And one of the things I really like doing genuinely is eating on my own. It sounds yeah. really weird, but I find it a real selfish pleasure. And my wife doesn't understand it at all. I think it is different for women in a way. I think it's more awkward. They get annoyed by people. But a bloke sitting on his own, He's all right. And so whenever I travel, I go, I'll find a restaurant I really like. Yeah. And I people watch and I'll read and I'll eat. So I've done that in so many places. And well, the weirdest things, I mean, I, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but and I'm in trouble already. But I went to North Korea 
And there is nothing to eat in North Korea. I'll be quite honest with you, really almost nothing. But we went to this one place and they gave us the full, it was a government-sponsored thing. And it was a big gin, it was in all these sort of little gold bowls. And it was a ginseng stew and lots of things. Anyway, long story short, it was dog. I didn't know. And I ate dog. And when I got home, my Labradors just looked at me. And like the moment I walked in, they just knew. And they, they, they just knew. They just stared at me like, right, we aren't. We, we've got a big problem here, buddy. Yeah. And that yeah. was it. So, I mean, dog is the weirdest thing I've eaten. And I didn't yeah. eat it out of choice. And I, I feel terrible about it and stuff. But I've some very strange things I've eaten. I mean, weirdly, when I was in the jungle, uh, you know, on I'm a Celebrity, I didn't do the eating challenge. And I wouldn't have done because yeah. I just, I eat for pleasure. Not yeah. dog, but I eat for pleasure. So I don't, I don't know. I just, I love trying weird new stuff. So Vietnam, for instance, I went to amazing food all um moroccan food i absolutely love yeah i'll tell you okay so there was once when i was going in uh, in morocco it was ramadan i didn't realize and i'd had this i'd, I'd there's a thing called an arous which is basically an arabic word for sandwich and i had this amazing falafel sandwich made extra harissa the full stuff because i was going on a long train ride from tangier down to marrakesh and i thought oh, i'll have this halfway down i'm sorted and i had my bag and <laughs> Halfway down, I pulled it out, and yeah. I was about... So I didn't realise it was Ramadan. And everyone in the carriage just looked at me like, what are you doing? And I looked, and I suddenly thought... And some guy said to me, you know, it's Ramadan, and all these people are not eating and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> oh, Christ, I'm really sorry. I said, no worries at all. And they said, no, no, it's fine. So I put it down, and I'm just like, God almighty, it's terrible, it's terrible. Finally, the cannon goes at the end of the evening. We've been on this train all day. I'm so thirsty, so hungry. And I get the thing out, and everyone hasn't bought any food with them. Like, you're supposed to celebrate when you finish Ramadan... So they they all look at me, so I have to pass this thing around, and everyone's, like, <laughs> eating bits of it. And I'm like, easy there, fellow. There's a big guy in the corner, like, munching away. I go, come on. But I've got half of it left, and it's fine. And I'm thinking, I'm so... This is going to be the best falafel sandwich I've ever had. Suddenly, the train carriage door gets open, and this woman, a sort of beggar woman, if you like, like, literally out of a Monty Python film, <laughs> just comes in and she's like please can I have some money and, and everyone's saying and basically they're all like we're not giving you money but this idiot will and they're all going she wants to say could you give us some money and please and I was like okay so I get out what Moroccan money I've got and I'm intimating I haven't got much there so I give them some money and she starts screaming because I haven't given her enough money and then she goes she's pregnant and I said well sorry I, I haven't got any more so it turns out she doesn't think that I believe that she's pregnant so I'm holding this sandwich she pulls out a tit squirts with her (laughs) squeezes her breast and this no joke breast milk fires across the compartment and lands on the remains of my sandwich (laughs) and that was it i did have a nibble i have to say because i was still quite hungry but (laughs) so it's just weird like food's food's sometimes a bit of a divider or whatever but um i I don't know i've just loved it and then i've been on the island with bear grills when you know which are these weird shows and i didn't eat a single thing for two weeks, for, yeah. for 14 days. I lost two and a half stone. I caught one fish in the whole thing, and it was poisonous. We couldn't use it. I tried to take some cockles off it. I just couldn't be asked in the end. And the only thing we'd been told was on this island that we could find was some yucca. And yucca, if you get the root, is a, it's a carbohydrate. It's like potato. It's exactly what you need. It's energy. We spent days looking for yucca. We were told what it looked like. And finally, I thought I'd found yucca. I came back. Camp went crazy, and you got to boil it, so we boiled it all night. Next morning, we ate it. I ate most of it. It was just wood. Yeah. It, it just wasn't yeah. yucca. It was yeah. just a piece of wood. So, um, yeah, so it was just weird. I have to say, do you know what? Doing, doing this podcast, you just get so many amazing stories. <laughs> that is That story on the, on the train is yeah, it was fantastic. Not it was not good. Well, I'm going to give you some quick-fire questions, Tom. Yeah. This, this is how you really get the measure of someone with these, uh, these next questions. Sweet or savoury? Oh, savoury. Every second. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Lager or bitter? Lager. Burger King or McDonald's? McDonald's. Last song you listened to? Rum and Wine by the Bronze Medal. Just amazing. Fantastic. Don't know anything about them, but I think they're brilliant. Right, we're going to get on to the dinner party. First of all, do you like throwing a dinner party? Is it your thing? Yeah, totally. So even when I was... I hate nightclubbing. I mean, I'm an ex-goth, so nightclubs and me never really got together, yeah. really, apart from Spice of Life, like, ripped to the tits on Cider and Black. Like, it was that sort of thing, listening to Bauhaus. But it wasn't, like, proper <laughs> clubbing. So I always, like, when I was 18, 19, 20, 22, 
I kind of loved a dinner party and everyone else was going out clubbing. I was like, can't we just sit down and have a meal and chat? You know, you go to a nightclub, you can't hear anyone, you can't say anything. And I like talking, as you yeah. can see. So I, I always, I was looking forward to getting to 30 when people would settle down and have dinner parties. Also, I really like cooking. Yeah. Um, I kind of grew up, as I said, we lived abroad, we were quite spoiled, people cooked for us. And I kind of, my parents didn't know how to cook. I really, really loved cooking. And I thought, how can I like food so much and not learn how to cook? So I kind of taught myself slowly, uh, you know, starting with the basics, you know, the classics, the boeuf bourguignon, the coq au vin, the, yeah. the ninth. There's a great uh, couple of cookbooks I love called The Prawn Cocktail Years, and uh, which has all those sort of naff 1970s things that I like from prawn cocktail to uh, beef stroganoff. So it was all those sort of things. So, yes, I do like dinner parties yeah, very yeah. much. And, lo- and by the sounds of it, love cooking. I love cooking. It's, I, f- I find it very relaxing, cooking. Do you, I knew you were going to... You yeah. seem like someone that would find cooking a very therapeutic thing. I do, but what irritates me is I never enjoy eating what yeah. I've cooked. And, yeah. th- and that's a big... But I, I'm the same It's as a good a, diet for me. But you're a chef, so... Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like I, I, do you not enjoy I, it? I love it. So no, no, but do you not enjoy eating your own stuff? No, because when it comes to serving it, uh, more than likely I have been eating as I've been going. Okay. Right? No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> While I'm cooking, I'm grazing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. I do like that. And it's, it's annoying, though. You put it down... And then you're obviously, I presume, because you're a chef, you're an attention seeker as I am, you're needy. (laughs) You want the praise, you want everyone. This is amazing. If someone even looks vaguely like, well, this isn't very good, I go, fuck you. So can we swear on this? Yeah, yeah, of course you can. So, yeah, it's different. No, I get so, so like, Emma, Emma, my wife's called Emma, she um, she sort of loves it when I cook, but at the same time hates it. Cause because I, it's high maintenance, you want all the applause, and then you fuck off while she does the washing up. Washing up, but yeah, I yeah. also use a lot of stuff, because oh. I, like, I can't do the Ten whole, pots. Yeah, 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 I can't do the whole, like, let's just kind of, you know, throw a few things in the pan. I no, want no, to no. do it properly, yeah. so, yeah. Have yeah. you, does your wife cook? <laughs> yes. Is she good? She's great. Yeah, see, I married a Canadian. That's the reason right. you don't see Canadian restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to say anything about beaver pie or anything, but there is, there's just no, there's, it's, I mean, Canada's national dish actually is very good. Poutine, do you know it? No. Chips, right. gravy, and cheese curd. They have that. Right. They have poutine vans everywhere. And yeah. It's like a kebab. Is it nice? It's lovely, yeah. but it's not, you know, yeah. you can't eat it all day, sort of thing. <laughs> so I have to cook because otherwise my wife is one of those people that just cooks. She refuses to use sauce. Everything is dry. Yeah. I have to cover everything in sauce. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's a school thing, I think. No, I'm very lucky. Emma's yeah. Yeah, a great, great cook. So the dinner party. Yeah. Alive, dead, fictional or real, totally up to you. Who would you like at your dream dinner party, Dom? Do you want me to name all of them? Yes, one okay. by one, but give us a, give us a yeah. reason why. Well, this is really difficult, I have to say. And some of these I'm looking at now going, really? But I kind of... <laughs> I kind of thinking uh, it's an opportunity to get people I meet, people I like, people I, well, who are dead, so couldn't come. But also, I like a dinner party with a bit of, I don't like everyone getting on. I want a couple of problem, I want a couple of grenades in there. You know, I like yeah, things going I like on. That. I'm normally the grenade, so I kind of, <laughs> I want to be. So I'm kicking off with the grenade with John yeah. McEnroe. Yeah. Um, I've met John McEnroe. I mean, growing up, I was a massive tennis fan, still am a massive tennis fan. John McEnroe was just God to me, like, and and... It was a kind of, um, it really symbolised the difference between me and my dad. Yeah. My dad thought Bjorn Borg was what it was all about. Even his hair was a bit long, but, you know, didn't say anything. And I was like, no, John McEnroe was punk. Yeah. You know, he was just this awful, horrible, bratty, amazingly talented guy. And I loved it. And I finally met John McEnroe. God, I can't remember where it was, Vermont or somewhere. I went to some, I, I can't even remember what it was. It was some weird thing. And I ended up in a hotel with the tragically hip... Alec Baldwin and John McEnroe, as you do. Uh, and I wasn't quite aware at that stage how brilliant Alec Baldwin was. This was still when he was shouting at people before he'd done good TV shows. But there was John McEnroe, and he was talking to someone in Tragically Hip. Now, my wife's Canadian. She loves Tragically Hip. I call them Tragically Shit. I'm not yeah. interested in them <laughs> at all. So I just wanted to talk to John McEnroe. So I go up to John McEnroe, and I'm just, you know, there's no coolness, there's nothing. I just want to speak to him. I'm going to get a selfie, which I never do, everything. And I go up, and he's talking, and after a minute, he notices me. He goes, what is it? I go, oh, can I just have a word? He goes, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, that's a bit rude. But also, I thought, that's how I want John McEnroe to yeah. be. I don't want him to be, like, really nice and realise it's all an act. So I said, sure, sure, I'll wait. He goes, don't bother, asshole. <laughs> I was like, so I wait. And then the next day, he's there because we're having these events. It's, I can't, even, I don't know what I was doing there. It was some celebrity ski tournament or something. I don't know how I was invited. Anyway, next day, he's there at breakfast. 
He's sitting on his own. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to go and have breakfast with John McEnroe. <laughs> so I go up and I go, do you mind if I sit down? He goes, are you the same arsehole from yesterday? <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> and that's, that's the only two times I've met John McEnroe. So I'd like him to come to my dinner party just so he can ring me up at the last moment and tell me to fuck off. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, ju- I just think he's... I just like him. He's unpredictable. He's good. <laughs> So I don't know if he'd turn up, and if he did, he'd complain about everything, and he'd probably get drunk and yeah. shag my wife. But you know, that's yeah. a good dinner party, isn't it? That's a fantastic <laughs> yeah, dinner well, party. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's John McEnroe. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, well, it's absolutely Jacques Brel. Yeah. So Jacques Brel, firstly, very important if you're playing the famous Belgian games, because uh, there used to be a thing where name five famous Belgians, no one could. Um, but Jacques Brel is my f- probably my favourite artist of all time. He's like a sort of torch song singer, uh, 50s and 60s, Belgium, sings half in Flemish, half in French, everything you should hate. But I just think he's absolutely amazing. I, I've, my brother used to my brother used to play a lot of Jacques Brel, so I knew him for that. Yeah. But also I was a massive Bowie fan, and Bowie was obsessed with Jacques Brel. He did a cover of Amsterdam, and he did a cover of My Death. Um, and then... Scott Walker did yeah. all the all the Jacques Brel songs, and he did them in English, and they were terrible. But anyway, I'm obsessed with Jacques Brel. I love Jacques Brel. I think he's so cool. I got married to a song of his by, called Marique. Um, and I don't know, I just find him fascinating. He, he, he had massive jug ears. He sweated more than Lee Evans. I mean, it was yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> he looked like a man selling a very bad secondhand suit. Uh, it was just it, it, terrible, but there's something incredible about him. And I don't really know anything about him, so I just thought... Uh, you know, after McEnroe didn't turn up, Brel could sing and just chill everyone out, so that would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he most famously did Ne me quitte pas. That's probably, if, if you're limited in your knowledge of Belgian torch song music, you'll know Ne me quitte pas. You know that one, so it's great. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So we've got John McEnroe, yeah. Jacques Brel. Uh. Who's next? Well, I'm going to be really honest here. I, I chose six people that I really wanted to do, and now I realise they're all men. Now, yeah. firstly, I is not sexist. Uh, I very much enjoy the company of women. In fact, I enjoy company of women more than men. So I was really surprised that I'd just chosen men. And I think I was going for sort of punchy types. So I pulled back and thought, actually, no, I've got to get some women in for all sorts of reasons. And actually, the first person who came to mind, weirdly, was another comedian. I don't have friends. And even if I have friends, they're not comedians. I don't hang out with comedians. I don't do stand-up. So I don't really know any. But when I was on I'm a Celebrity, I was saved by this woman. It was Jenny Eclair. She's just fantastically Great odd. Guest. And she she's just one of those people. She's like, my kids think she's like, well, you know, a sweary aunt. She just, yeah. there's a certain age where you should stop saying cunt and stuff yeah. like that. And she just doesn't. She just goes for it. And I love it. And she says what she thinks. She's incredibly smart. She won the Perrier Award. She was one of the first great female stand-ups when really female stand-ups didn't exist. But she's really kind and nice. And it's just so weird for me to go and do a show like I'm a Celebrity, which is sort of everything that's wrong with the world, really. And I end up with a proper good friend. Yeah. So Jenny gets on with everyone. She's smart and she's controversial. She would take McEnroe down yeah. straight away. Any jit from him, she'd have him. I so, love characters like that. Yeah, yeah, My, yeah. I have a nan that's exactly like that. But she's, she's not going to like version. us describing as nan and aunt, which is why yeah. I'm saying it. She's very, very old. But you know, like the Catherine Tate nan. It's exactly that. that yeah. There's just Fuck still, that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm giving, yeah, Jenny's, Jenny is smart. I mean, she just likes it because she gets irritated when people tell her to act her age and not not swear so she swears more and i yeah. like that i like yeah. swearing so whatever yeah me too yeah i like swearing good fucking yeah. great <laughs> after jenny eclair well it's a belgian evening yeah uh, tonight because uh, i've got tintin who obviously didn't exist i actually i love belgium i mean a lot of people say you know you probably it's not first on your list for where you want to go i mean firstly everyone you think is french and famous yeah is actually belgian weirdly lucky luke asterix tintin yeah uh, jacques brel uh, Plastique Bertrand, Saplan Pumar, all these things. I love Belgium, but it gets a really bad rap. And actually, when Trigger Happy was happening, I used to escape to Bruges, and I'd go to Bruges. I filmed quite a lot in Bruges, but I would also just go there and chill out for a couple of days because it's a really nice place to go. And the Belgian Tourist Board, which I don't think is a very busy organisation, uh, got hold of me and said, we notice you've been writing a lot about Belgium. You know, can we offer you a trip somewhere? And 
I said, no, I don't really want to do freebies. I just want to go off where I like. But I will give you a slogan because I notice you don't have a tourist slogan for your country. And they said, oh, that's very kind of you. They said, what is it? So I said, Belgium, not as shit as you think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they never contacted me again, uh, which is really annoying. But uh, so, yeah, so I love Belgium. So, uh, so I'm going to have another Belgian tonight. And he's a sort of honorary Belgian, Tintin. Now, I'm slightly confused by Tintin. Tintin is the reason I travel. When I was a kid, quite genuinely, I was stuck in the hills above Beirut, in the middle of a civil war. I couldn't really travel anywhere. And I travelled vicariously. I had all the Tintin books. And and it is incredible. Hergé, who wrote Tintin, never left Belgium. He left Belgium once. But he had this guy that went around the world and took pictures and sent him back postcards. So every car, every street sign, everything. When I first went to Kathmandu, it was just... I mean, it was. I was in a Tintin boat. It was amazing. And I had a map in my wall, on my wall, and had all the places Tintin went to. And I said to myself, when I grew up, I would go to all those places. And yeah. I have now. Yeah. And this is in my new tour, Dom Jolly's Holy Snaps. See, yeah. I'm plugging that, uh, where I go off and talk about stuff like that. So I love the idea of Tintin coming, although I'm slightly nervous about Tintin. Uh, do you, have you read Tintin? Are you a fan of Tintin? I am a massive fan okay. of Tintin, yeah. So it's a weird concept. This is yeah. a... This is a an eternally young boy who's a journalist who never seems to file a story, an unlimited expense account, lives with an alcoholic sea dog captain in a big house with a homoerotic butler. It's not a lady's book. Do you know no. what I mean? The only woman in Tintin is is Cast Bianca Castafiori. It's just odd. I was going to ask you if, uh, if the sea dog or, or even the little white dog... What snowy? Right, but yeah, it could be at the could be at your dinner party. It could be. I've had. I've got. I've got a great story about this. Actually, I actually did a documentary about Tintin because uh, uh, I was obsessed with Tintin, and I tried to retrace the steps of Tintin and the Black Island. And actually, Tintin and the Black Island, the castle that's used on the island where the monkey is, uh, is in the Outer Hebrides on this island called Barra, which is famous for that film Whiskey Galore, where the ship ran aground in the war with loads of whiskey, and they all got drunk. But I went to Barra. Uh, but first, before I went to Barra, I went to Belgium, and I thought it'd be quite fun. I was going to visit the Tintin, Tintin Museum and the, and the Tintin Foundation. I thought I'd show them how serious I was. I dyed my hair ginger. Tintin is ginger, yeah. if you look at it. I was always <laughs> blonde. So I dyed my hair ginger. I had a blue jumper. Basically, I looked like Tintin after just a terrible, terrible two years of, of bad behaviour. <laughs> and then we needed a dog. And so I hired, I think he's a fox terrier. Uh, as far as I remember, the uh, snowy. So we rang someone up in Belgium, so we're going to need a snowy. So they gave us this dog. It turned out we had snowy, and I'm wandering around. It started to rain, and the dog started to... And they'd sprayed, they dyed the dog white because they wanted the money. And so there's this fantastic scene where I'm down an alley in Brussels, and a police car drives by, and it looks down, and there's an overweight Tintin leaning down, holding a snowy, which is having paint coming off it. Of it. And they were just like, drive on. <laughs> so no, snowy won't be coming. Also, my dogs don't like little dogs. I, I feel you shouldn't trust any dog smaller than the cat. That's my, that's yeah. my rule. So I don't allow dogs smaller than cats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I know how you feel about cats on another podcast. Oh, I love cats. Yeah. I don't trust cats, you but I like, you know, I, I like their independence. Uh, Jack D said... You know, the difference between dogs and cats. Like, if you're putting up a shelf, dog would just be watching you, going, I don't know what you're doing, but I love you, you're brilliant. Yeah. Cat would just be going, what the fuck are you doing, you moron? <laughs> Where's my food? I kind of admire cats for that, but I don't yeah. like them. Yeah, yeah. I'm exactly the same. I've got two dogs. and but what are I'm your actually... dog's names? Flossie and Freddie. Bloody hell. Kids yeah. name them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. I've got Fitzgerald and Truman because I'm a bit, a bit of a ponce. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let my kids I, near naming the dog. Do you know what, though? Like, was... Dog and Fluffs. Yeah, yeah. Floss was Floss was actually, uh, my wife actually named Flossie. Um, but, yeah, Freddie is our daughter's dog. And um, but I always do it on, if I'm out on my own, in the and park. you're shouting. And I'm shouting. You don't want that's, to shout, fuck the... nut! Yeah, 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 that's yeah, the barometer. Yeah. Fenton! <laughs> yes! <Yeah. laughs> We've got, in my square in Cheltenham, there's a dog called Traitor, and it is my favourite. And apparently, I don't quite understand the story, the guy is very Tory who owns him, and the dog is Spanish, so there's something about Brexit about it I didn't understand. But he's in the park, he's going, Traitor! Traitor! <laughs> it's fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's have a little recap. We've got John McEnroe. Yeah, well, he's not Jack turning Brown. up, is he? Yeah, I, I really want John. Yeah. For, the, for this story, I think John's John here. turns up. Jack but Brown's... when he gets there, he recognises shit. Yeah, that's right. He goes, oh, fuck off. Not this again. But I may as well, but I may as well stay. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Brown's sweating in the loo, basically. 
Jenny and Claire's Jenny keeping and Claire. John McEnroe in 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 sort of behaving. Yeah, and Tintin. Tintin. We don't know what Tintin's doing. We no. never really know. No, no. Yeah. no. Who's next? Next up is a bit poncy. It's just this is to show my travel writer chops. Right. But this guy's called Patrick Lee Fermore, Paddy Lee Fermore, and he's kind of like. If you're a travel writer, well, certainly I'm a travel writer and he's my hero, basically. He, he's written some extraordinary things. But the most extraordinary thing he did, he wrote a trilogy before the war. Uh, so in between about 1933 and 1935, he essentially walked from London to Istanbul straight through 1930s Europe and also straight through sort of Nazi Germany. But yeah. before it was, you know, when still we were talking to Hitler and stuff. So he's in a bar and there's SS youth there. It's just... It's, I mean, not only is it the most amazing thing to have done, to have walked across Europe, but he just writes it so beautifully. And so a book's called Time of Gifts and uh, A Walk in the Woods. And I, I just, they're my, I grew up reading them. I've read them over and over again. And I, I got close to doing a bit like it. I walked from Belgrade to Istanbul uh, two years ago. And it, I mean, it's so changed now because in his day, you could do the whole thing fields, basically. Now it's almost impossible yeah. to do. I just think he's an, I think he's one of these just great, British, uh, eccentric, smart, intellectual travel writers. And he's buried very near me in a village called... Not, I'm not buried near him, but yeah. he lives near me. Uh, well, he doesn't live, he's dead. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. He's, he's buried you. in a village near me called Dumbleton. And on his gravestone, he's just got a compass. And I just think that's amazing. I love yeah, that. Yeah. So it's Ponzi. He'd probably be a bit dull, a bit up himself. I don't know. But we're, we're having matter. him anyway. And he's dead anyway. So he's not dying up, is he? Yeah. Who's next? Uh, who's next? Shelley Berman. Yeah. Now, I put Shelley Berman in because it sounds like that's a woman and it's, it means we've got three each, but it's not. <laughs> Shelley Berman is the first comedian I ever heard. My dad, uh, my dad just didn't approve of anything I did. He had to join the family company. He just, it, I mean, what I did, my dad was a frustrated writer, I think. If he'd wanted, if he'd been allowed to, he'd have written. So I think he always resented the fact that I went off and dressed as a squirrel. Uh, and I don't think he ever saw anything I did. But the one thing we kind of shared in common when I was a kid, you used to have records that had comedy on them, like, like yeah. LPs. And he had these records by this guy called Shelley Berman. And Shelley Berman was a kind of nightclub act in New York in the 60s, Jewish guy. And he used to do these amazing, weirdly, it's the phone, but it's nothing to do with my phone. He used to just record live. This sort of You just hear his end of the conversation. And he'd be ringing someone up. Uh, the night, the morning after the night before was one I remember, and he's trying to remember what happened the last night. It's very difficult to describe his stuff, but it just, it just made me laugh so much, and I've always remembered thinking, God, imagine if your job was just making people laugh. And I always never thought about being a comedian until you know I was a comedian at thirty, but I suppose the seed must have been there a long yeah, time ago. Yeah. And then very weirdly, I'd never heard of Shelley Berman again, and no one's ever heard of him. And then probably my favourite comedy show of all time, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm watching Curb, and there's Larry David's dad in it with these big, thick glasses, about 90 years old. It's Shelley Berman. And I'm just like, that's just beautiful. I just, it's like one of those circles in life. Unfortunately, he's dead as well. So, yeah. you know, a lot of these people aren't going to turn up. But <laughs> if we're having it in the afterlife... <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't know, maybe Shelley Berman isn't dead. Apologies, Mr. Berman, if you're listening and you're dead. You're not dead. Anyway, <laughs> we don't know if he's coming, but I'm pretty sure he'd be funny. What? He's definitely dead. Oh, he's definitely dead. He's definitely oh, he's dead. <laughs> All right, so you're not listening. Well, maybe you are. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and, your, and your last guest, Dom? My last guest is Fran Leibovitz, um, who, when, when I write my books, one of the things I do is I try and... I'm, I really like quotes. I've always wanted to have a quote of mine in, in a quote book, yeah. book of quotations. I think I've nailed it with my new book. My new book is called The Conspiracy Tourist. I just started writing it two days ago. Um, weirdly, I started writing on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which is like creepy, or yeah. is it? And uh, I spend my entire life arguing with idiots online about every conspiracy theory. These people yeah. are just morons. They're brain dead. Is that mainly on Twitter? Twitter, well, actually, Facebook is worse. I've just been banned again on Facebook for being rude to some mouth breather. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, so I argue these people a lot. And I thought for my new book, it's just no point. Like uh, James O'Brien, the, the LBC presenter, calls it the footballification of our lives. And it's true. We've just become just in our tribes now. And whatever you say is stupid and stupid. No one's going to change each other's mind. So I thought, why don't I try and do a book where I just go and hang out with conspiracy theorists and just 
try not to fight them and just say, maybe the Earth is flat. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe we did fate the moon landing and just try. It's going to be fucking hard for me. I'm going to yeah, tell you that. Yeah. But I, I'm going to really try and just say, maybe I'm wrong and we're going to see what happens with that. So the idea is, if you believe in the flat Earth, um, the flat Earth is in Fogo, Newfoundland. So I want to find a flat Earther, fly him to Newfoundland. We're going to go to Fogo. We're going to get in a boat. We're going to row out, and one of us is going to be wrong. But they'll still find a way to get out of it. But anyway, so Fran Leibovitz, when I write my books, I really... Oh, yeah, sorry. So the quote that I wanted to put in at the beginning, my first line of my book is, conspiracy theories are the way uncomplex people make sense of a complex world. Now, I quite like that. I was trying to describe how they were. So Fran Leibovitz is the queen of quotes. You look up any book of quotations. I kept seeing Fran Leibovitz, Fran Leibovitz, Fran Leibovitz. I'm like, Jesus, who is this person? And she's a kind of person that only really exists in New York. She's like a sort of Oscar Wilde of New York. She's like an intellectual, but she's not. She's just funny and she's great. And she writes The New Yorker and all sorts of things. And she has just a list of the most extraordinary amount of funny sayings. And I can't remember one right now, but they're amazing. And then weirdly, just the other day on Netflix, I think it was, Netflix did a whole series on Fran Leibovitz. And I was like, thank God, someone's going to know who I'm talking about now. And it was done by Martin Scorsese, and everyone knows who she is. So she's one of these people that's just incredibly funny, but no one's ever heard of her because she's not in films and stuff. And I just, she's dry and cutting and rude. She, she'd deal with McEnroe. We've got some yeah. New Yorkers in here, which is good. So yeah, it's New York v. Belgium, really, my, my dinner party. It's very odd. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What are we going to have for starter? Well, I just thought I had to. If I really, you know, I've tried to be really honest with this. I'm not being yeah. poncy. I'll get to it in my main course. You know, I could, it's a bit like when someone asks you, what's your favourite band? You can yeah. either try and be poncy and like weird, or you can just go to your iTunes playlist and what's, you know, what's your top and you've got to yeah. go with it. Um, and I've just gone with Hummus Shawarma. Uh, basically, Hummus is, I think, the greatest dip the greatest starter in the world. Well, it's not even a starter. It's the greatest meal. I grew up on hummus in Lebanon. Now, Lebanon, Israel, possibly Egypt, everyone claims to have invented hummus. In yeah. fact, so much so, I grew up in a war zone in Beirut. But genuinely, there is a war between Lebanon and Israel, not just physically, but also about hummus. They yeah. both claim they've, they've invented hummus. They've actually had arguments about it, so much so that some guy in Lebanon made uh, a pot of hummus that was the size... It just, it's crazy. There are hummus wars there. And yeah. I have been to both places. I've been to Tel Aviv, been to Lebanon, which is very difficult because you're not allowed into each country. You have to have separate passports. And I would say Lebanese hummus is better. Um, Israeli hummus is warm. It's yeah. good. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. But the Lebanese... And the secret to creamy hummus, I hear, is you have to peel every chickpea. Who has the time to do no. that? But that is... How you do it. And so my starter is a hummus shawarma, really creamy hummus, lovely shawarma roasted lamb dropped in, pine nuts, some whole cooked um, chickpeas, olive oil, maybe a bit of paprika. Oh, there's just nothing like it. I can live on it. In fact, when I finish here, I'm going to renouche juice and having it afterwards. I have got nothing to add to that starter. Oh. I absolutely love it. They're all the things I absolutely love about that style of cuisine. Um, especially I'm a, with, I'm especially not a as you put lamb, you know, yeah. lamb there as well. You have um, to. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, if you want, it's a meal in itself. Really, it is. That, that, that is, yeah. yeah. I mean, that could yeah. either that could actually be a main course. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, there's kind of similar things there. Like one of my favourite cuisines is like Greek cuisine. So oh, I like, love Greek. Yeah, yeah wood-fired lamb. Absolutely. And pita and yeah. tzatziki and all of that. Love it. I mean, absolutely. Love can I be it. honest with you? My my favourite thing in the whole world. It, Bar none is moussaka. I think if I had to name the greatest dish in the yeah, world, yeah. it's moussaka. But it can be done so badly. Yeah. Like if they put tomatoes in, what are you doing? Like, yeah. so, <laughs> so I couldn't pick moussaka for this meal because yeah. I didn't want to give people a bad moussaka. But I do think Greek food is yeah. astonishing. Yeah. Absolutely astonishing. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So, yeah. Where are you on Tarama Salata? I uh, love it. Yeah, me too. I absolutely. Proper, we've got it non-pink. On, yeah, yeah, we've got it we've got it on um, well we've had it on in all of our restaurants Ooh. but currently it's on right now. Uh, oh, and we I'm just top down. it. You just mentioned you know, we top it with a little bit of um smoked paprika oh, and seaweed. Yeah. Like on the top so it's really nice but again just making it. I remember being taught to make it. And you know as a chef there's certain things that you're like I can't believe I know how to make that. I, One of those was I've honeycomb. Not- so growing up as a kid, you don't and, make honeycomb. Yeah. Bees make honeycomb. Yeah, yeah. No, you make as in as in. I'm talking about like honeycomb that you would have in like a, a chocolate bar. You know, oh, okay. Like crunchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know when you actually learn how yeah, to yeah, yeah. make that. But terrace malata was one of those things. How do you make it? I genuinely have no idea. So uh, water, right? Honey, a little bit of glucose. Honey. Yeah. So into the um, into the water, you bring that to 130 degrees. We're talking about okay. honeycomb now, aren't we? Yeah, honeycomb. I'm talking tarama salata. That's why. Yeah, I was yeah. A bit... We'll go. We'll go. We'll oh, go okay, back good. to that. Uh, and then a little, and then literally a little bit of bicarb, and that's what aerates it. And then off, and then lay it on a tray, and then you have homemade honeycomb. But that sounds like physics to me, or chemistry. Like, yeah. It terrifies me. It's, but it's uh, easy. But that's no, it? easy. Really but tarama salata, genuinely, I've no idea how you'd make that. So. Smoked codsrow. Yeah. Right? So big, big codsrow, they're smoked. You then take them out, split the membrane, and then scoop out the middle, okay? And then put it into a, um, like like a mixer. You wouldn't, personally, you would not be able to make this by hand. Yeah. But it is very similar way of making a mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. Because you're emulsifying oil with eggs. Yeah. Um, some recipes have garlic in there, but just whip it up, and then a little bit of warm water halfway through so it won't split. Um, and then some lemon juice. And, the, and the, what I hate is when they whack the pink in. I yeah. don't know why they do that. Yeah, that, that, that is, that, I mean... That's I've, just to make it look... I have no idea where yeah. that comes from. Yeah. That's, like you say, the supermarket versions. But to make it, some people will be like, it's a bit of a faff, but... No, I love the, it. it I, it's what, that is one of my I mean, the food I like is, is decent, like, honest food. I like brasseries. I like yeah. peasant food. Yeah. I like fresh stuff. I'm not a big one for the Ponzi, yeah. you know, yeah. the Ponzi. No, no, great. Yeah, great. In fact, I would actually, Teresa Malata would go over hummus for me. It's oh, one really? of my favourite things. Ooh, I love controversial, it. Controversial, controversial. Yeah, I love it. All right. Now, so we've got a cracking starter, Dom. Yeah. Great, great choices there. Everything works. What are we drinking? Um, we are probably going to kick off. Well, it's not going to go with it. I was thinking more a drink to start before I had the starter, but we're going to have a Rossini. Yeah. So a Rossini, I had, I was in Tuscany. Yeah. I just sound such a ponce on this thing, I know, but I just, I am a ponce, so I don't mind. So I was in a, I was in a monastery in Tuscany, and I didn't, I, I, there's a thing in, in, in um, there's, a, there's a thing in, in Italy, which is their equivalent to Prosecco, which I can't remember, but it's, uh, it's, their, it's their champagne, it's Italian champagne, yeah. but obviously because it's not in champagne, can't be called champagne. Yeah. And they said, what would you like to drink? I said, what have you got? And so they brought this stuff, so let's call it Prosecco, but it was yeah. the Italian version, someone will know. And they put it in, and then basically it's just uh, fresh strawberry juice, but it's not juice, it's kind of like they've taken all the seeds out and they yeah. filtered it through. Honestly, it's the simplest drink in the world, and I, I, just, I told my wife at the time, if I ever make it properly, I just want someone following me around with a jug of Rossini, yeah. just like wherever I go, just so I can always have it. Yeah. I think it's the gift of the gods. I went to LA and ordered a Rossini and they added vodka to it, made for a very interesting evening, but I think slightly ruined the purity of it. So I'm going to kick off with the Rossini, I love it. <clears throat> I mean, for me, it kind of, in a way, it, it sort of does go because you've got a lot of richness there with the lamb and the, the hummus, the pine nuts. You're absolutely spot on. It is Prosecco. So champagne is from Champagne. Prosecco is the Italian and Carver is the Spanish. Yeah, no, but Prosecco, it's it's not. There is a different thing to Prosecco. Frankie exactly. Quarter. Yeah, it is Frankie Quarter. And again, proper strawberries in season. Yeah. Like just pure, like a, like a Bellini. Yeah, it is um, like a Bellini, but I tried to make it at home. And oh my God, I got, I went down a rabbit hole of trying to get proper, you know, it isn't just squeeze the strawberry. No. You've got to, you've got to, it's just, 
it's just basically it's something you want someone to make for you. Yeah. It's just going to taste better. The best puree I've had is basically um, poach the strawberries, make your own, get some frozen strawberries yeah. and some fresh, really yeah, 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 beautiful yeah. strawberries when they're in yeah, season. Yeah. Um, and then those, the frozen strawberries, you basically defrost those, a little bit of water, some thyme, some vanilla, put make what we call like a, a strawberry jus, basically. Yeah, yeah. A, a lovely, That's gravy to you, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, a gravy, yeah. yeah. Poach the strawberries, poach the fresh strawberries in, in that. So you've just got Jesus you've just Christ, got flavor bro, I just want to drink flavor. here. I don't want to I don't want to be cooking this. And then and then you're and then but once you've once you've blitzed that, you can then freeze it. Yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. have it for yeah. forever and then pull it out whenever you want to make your recipe. That is the secret. You've got to make loads of it, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. But yeah. I've failed, but I've had a lot of fun doing it. So yeah. yeah. No, it's nice. I, yeah, I like well, it. I'm going to do Rossini. I'm going to put you on the Rossinis for this meal. Yeah, I'll have. You're invited. I'll do to this, the Rossini. Yeah. Oh, you're in the you. kitchen, but you thank can pop you, out. That's, that's that's very kind yeah. idea. Yeah. Don't be I, one of those chefs that's like you know all about me. Just come in, take your wave, and listen, go. Listen, listen. Yeah. I would be petrified of John McEnroe. <laughs> he'd, he'd be like, "Who's this asshole? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get back in the kitchen, asshole." <laughs> Yeah, I'll happily do the Rossini's because yeah. yeah, it's all about it's all about putting that work in at the beginning. Okay, right. So uh, music. So kick things off with the playlist. Yeah. So I am. I've got quite an eclectic musical taste, but yeah. and actually, I'm slightly weirded out by choosing this one. But the reason I'm choosing it is because Homoshawama, uh, really properly done, just reminds me of growing up in Lebanon. And recently, I did a book uh, which was called the Hezbollah Hiking Club. Uh, but I've had to change the name for the paperback to the Downhill Hiking Club because people kept getting arrested with it. I've heard. But genuinely, like, they were at airports <laughs> and they'd look at it and think it was some sort of training manual for Hezbollah. <laughs> and uh, so I had to change it. And uh, in that, I because when I grew up in Lebanon, I never really did much of Lebanon, even though I was there till I was about 16, because there was a war going on. And so I thought, I really want to go back and explore it. And there's a thing called the Lebanon Mountain Trail. And you can walk the length of Lebanon, I mean, 27 days, across the sort of mountains that are between the Mediterranean and Syria. And so I took two mates and we walked all the way across Lebanon. And food-wise, oh my God, it was insane. You know, you, everywhere we stopped, every night we stayed with families. And that's where we had this thing called tabikh, which is like home-cooked stuff that you don't get in restaurants. Um, but on my last night on that walk, we were above a town called Tripoli, which is in the north on the Syrian border. Yeah. And we were looking down on this balcony. We were looking down with our guide. We had a different guide every day. And this guide was amazing. He was really into his stuff. We were looking down onto the Mediterranean. You could see the Tripoli fishing fleet sort of just twinkling in the sea. There was a mosque playing, a, miner a minaret playing the call to prayer. I mean, it was just like, whoa, sunset, the full end of the walk. And he said, have you heard this song? And he played it. It was on YouTube. And it just absolutely blew me away. And it's by this Lebanese artist called Tanya Cassis. And Lebanon is, you know, it's half Maronite. Well, it's loads of different religions, but it's not just a Muslim country. It's actually run by Maronite Christians. So it's yeah. got a real mix. And this Tanya Cassis had done this song live at Olympia in Paris after the shootings in, in Paris in 2015 when those people killed people at the Bataclan and stuff. And she wanted to do a concert to kind of bring religions together and what's extraordinary about this song is it starts off with a beautiful rendition of like a muslim call to prayer and then she comes in and weaves in ave maria in between and it's it's kind of a bit overly symbolic but i think it's done so brilliantly and also you know if you move into a house uh, first thing you do is whap that on the muslim call to prayer comes like you're gonna freak out the neighbors which is yeah. really good as well so <laughs> but it's an amazing song and i'd never heard of tony cassis uh, so i just think uh, people should hear it because it's great amazing absolutely amazing right main course right so i've gone Again, I'm just going with things that I'm sort of being very selfish with this this thing. I don't care whether John McEnroe likes this or not. He probably hated Ben. What? But <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. I like uh, when I come to London now because I live outside of London, and my I, I've been to Vietnam about three times, and I, I love Vietnamese food. Uh, I love it because it's just so light and it's fresh. Uh, I love you know well Thai beef salad but you get Vietnamese beef salad Cambodian beef salad they all just change the name of it but the fish sauce that kind of yeah. spikiness I love and I always go to this place called K I think it's K Tray or K Tree it's in uh, in Dean Street in Soho and it's this amazing Vietnamese restaurant and they're particularly famous for their fur yeah. their, their soups but they do this one thing called Ban Quan and it's kind of like a spring roll but it's not it's in this sort of I mean, possibly you could tell, I don't really know what I'm eating, but it's like minced pork and mint and fish sauce. And they're these sort of slightly see-through 
it's just incredible. I just, it's my happy <clears throat> thing. Tell me about them. They're absolutely delicious. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, I think they're a Hanoi speci- speciality, yeah. Yeah, great choice. They're like a, I, I liken them to like, like a roll, almost like roll dim sum. That's very good. That's it's a dim sum in a roll, isn't yeah. it? Yes, in, because it's, it's yeah. rice flour. Um, so that's where, like you said, it's almost like it's like a viscous, like transparent yes. kind yeah. of um, roll. Yeah. And my favourite kind of dim sums are the pork, yeah, yeah, and the mince pork yeah, 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 versions. Yeah, yeah. And I think kind of seeing your tastes and, and chatting to you before we before we started recording, um, you're yeah, you're definitely savoury. In, in oh, yeah. cooking, we call it umami. So oh, I love my things umami. like yeah, anchovies, yeah. Oh, parmesan, salt vinegar crisps, soy, pickled onion monster munches. Yes. Sorry, I've gone weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love. Pickled onion, pickled onion munch munches. I, I think them. it's one of the greatest <laughs> British contributions to cuisine. In fact, do you, do you really, wear them as really rings? Funny. Yeah, yeah. I oh, wear yeah, them as rings always. and eat them. Yeah. I tried to give my daughter a pack of pickled onion monster munch yesterday. She's five and she was like, that's disgusting. But you know, that's the other thing I like about it. No one ever wants any. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're absolutely delicious and yeah. they're brilliant. And they're also steamed as well in exactly the same way. So they're not yeah. like a they're not like a fried spring roll. That's right. They're steamed, they feel healthy. Then they come with a whole lot of fried onions on top, yeah. just yeah. in case it's too healthy. Yeah, and, and a beautiful uh, dip. Oh, oh and there's a mushroom. There's a there's a mushroom that they, they serve with them as well. And then this amazing dipping sauce oh yeah so like rice wine vinegar yes a uh, little bit of sugar soy yeah yeah chili yeah, yeah. i just gorgeous it just blows me away every time it's fantastic so i had those in hanoi uh, and actually they change you know like everyone seems to do their own little versions of it yeah and i I've, you know i'd love to say that i had it at this little corner place in hanoi that i love but the ones i've loved the best are in catery and dean street yeah in 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 soho so you can just go and check them out yeah tell them yeah. i sent you yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we having to drink dom we're going to have so I'm, I'm I'm massively into wine. Well, not massively. I'm in no way a wine ponce. I don't know my wine stuff, but I know what I like. So, for instance, Lebanon. I just I love ordering Lebanese wine. Chateau Mouzard is one of the great reds in the world. And to order a Chateau Mouzard, you know, you what? have you've beat me to it. I was going. We're going to talk about it. I was going to talk about it because I I love Chevrolet Jambatan, which is obviously oh, what you've chosen. Yeah, yeah. What you've chosen, but I was obviously with your background. Yeah. And you know about yeah, it was about ten years ago. You know when the sort of the people we buy our wine from came to. With Chateau Moussa, and you're like, you're like Lebanese, Lebanese what, yeah, yeah, as if you're pulling our leg, yeah, yeah. And we have it on now, it knocks you off. I love it. So, it's made by a guy called Gaston Rochard, and uh, they've been making it for a long time. They make it in the Bacar Valley, which is the kind of agricultural part of Lebanon. And you know, uh, there's another one called Cassara, which is a wine not as good as Moussa. And they've got caves that were dug by the Romans. Romans were making wine there 2,000 years ago. And the irony is, this is in an area in Lebanon right next to where Hezbollah is and stuff. So, you've got that's the mix of Lebanon yeah. that I love so much. There's another great one called Domaine de Tourelle, which is a new one. Well, not new, but that's almost as good as Chateau de Mouzard. But I'm not going with Lebanese because I wasn't going to push all the Lebanese stuff. So <laughs> I've gone for Chevry Chambertin because I just, uh, I went from red to white to white. I, I had too much white. It got quite acidic. I was getting heartburn. Yeah. So I went red for a bit. I'm now fully back on the white on the white train, yeah. which sounds wrong, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, Chevry Chambertin, I just love it. My mum used to live in Burgundy and yeah. uh, God, I just... It's incredible. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Yeah. I'm loving your dinner party. Oh, I mean, I love well, that wine. You know, I love. I like. You stay yeah. for coffee. You know? Yeah, thank you. No, I'm, so, so I'm yeah. quite happy knocking out the Rossini's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep the Rossini's going. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep Tintin happy, or he'll kick off. You know what he's like. And what what we're listening to for the main course? So we're listening to this band that I I only discovered recently, and I, I just in lockdown. This literally, this song kind of saved me in lockdown. I don't know why. I think it's incredible. The band's called Gang of Youths, which is a great name anyway, and they're a band from Melbourne in Australia. Uh, and there, there are so many great songs by there. They did a great cover of Bowie's Heroes. Um, there's a song called "The Heart Is a Muscle," but this song, "Do Not Let Your Spirit Wane," is just, it's just absolutely extraordinary. It's, it's so the guy's a big kind of tough. Maori looking even though he's Australian but I don't know if he's Aboriginal like he's just yeah they're, they're just a great cool guitar band but the lyrics are amazing it's just beautiful it's incredible great thing about doing this I learn loads of new things listen to new songs and you know I knew what you chose listen to this love it dessert 
Yeah, I'm just, I've switched off now. So for me... See, I don't think you have. No, I have. Yeah, I but, have. I, I, but food as a chef, I as a chef, no. I, okay, well, then you're going to have to surprise me. Yeah, Yeah, because I think... I don't want any of your snail ice cream. I don't want Heston shit. No, you know, like no, that. no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't squeeze some savoury in through, but that's, you know. But you, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want your orange meat. I've had that. What is that about? It's a big problem in my marriage. Well, there's a lot of problems in my marriage, as you can imagine, but my wife has just... Honestly, she's like a heroin addict... For, for, for sweet stuff. Yeah. And I just have no interest. Genuinely, you wouldn't tell, but I have no interest. So for me, starter, main, and then possibly some cheese, or let's just go again. But yeah. I, I just pudding, even even when they pull out the old sweet trolley, I went somewhere where they had a sweet trolley. When did you last see that? Yeah. And you're thinking, ooh, tiramisu. No, still no. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. fun. But I've no interest. Whereas my <laughs> wife, she just, if I order a starter, she feels I'm delaying her meal, and then a main. So really... The meal starts now for her. So the only thing we agree on, profiteroles. Yeah. I love profiteroles. Yeah. They're not sophisticated. They're basically tiny, round eclairs, aren't they? Yeah. But I had my wedding cake was a, a cake of profiteroles. Yeah. She ate the whole That's thing. That's called croque en bouche. Is it? Yes. Croque en bouche. Yes. It means yes, crunch proper, in the mouth. Proper professional name. Is it croque en bouche? Yeah. yeah they're, I love that. And they're beautiful. Yeah. Or we yeah. call it a profiterole cake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I called it gone because she'd eaten the whole fucking yeah. thing before yeah. we got married. Yeah. But anyway, no, I love it. My so dad I, called I like them profit rolls. <laughs> nice. Well, just, they probably are. Yes. Aren't they? Yeah. Are they easy? Yeah. Well, easy. Because the only other, the only other pudding I really I mean I do like affogato yeah. see I love that I just yeah. say yeah affogato mate go on yeah so but no profiteroles can't go wrong but you know what you said about you know what you said about the the musos yeah it's the same as like with, with you know with me people will then think right I'm gonna I'm gonna be really I'm gonna really impress oh stuff. yeah yeah but actually all things you want. like affogatos yeah. or like in, simple you know like in Spain they do that really beautiful vanilla ice cream oh. with Pedro Jimenez over That's it. it yeah but like profiteroles with just beautiful cold cream. Yes. But then, say, like, some warm chocolate sauce. Yes, yes. Done properly Done. in a French brasserie somewhere. Yeah. Oh. oh, I love it. Yeah. And, uh, but this is the problem, I think, with comedy, with music, with 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 uh, food. We're going to bring it all together here, you see. Yeah. Is it's all about stop poncing around. Yeah. Just, I mean, no offence, I'm sure yeah. you, you don't ponce around, but just keep it simple. Like, that really, that's what you want, isn't it? That's... You know, all you want is spaghetti, good spaghetti bolognese in the end. I, I, that's really life. I want a prawn cocktail, spaghetti bolognese, maybe and some profit rolls. rolls. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone else to pay the bill. And that's it. <laughs> uh, what are we drinking? What are we drinking? Well, again, you know, I know I'm, sure I'm supposed to choose some dessert wine or brandy or shit. I hate that. I don't like spirits particularly. Luckily, I don't. I hate sweet wine, stuff like that. So I'm going on an espresso martini, which... Really, should kick off the evening with it. It's a bit of a far starter, but I'm thinking it's got espresso in it. I also have a pet hate if anyone says espresso. Yeah, that drives. I I would divorce someone if they said that. That is so. That, really, honestly, I'm having this just to see who round the table. Yeah, Tintin definitely. He'd know. He's Belgian. He's fine. John McEnroe would go. Oh, I'll have an espresso. I go. You get the fuck out of yeah, my party, yeah. and I'd have revenge. It'd be great. <laughs> Do you know what, John McEnroe? Now it's time yeah, for yeah. you to fuck yeah, off. Yeah, you fuck off <laughs> out of here with your espressos, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like I like an espresso. Martini, and also you know they look good. They're yeah. great, and they've got a coffee bean. I'm not massive into coffee, but you know it's fine. So yeah. It's good. Yeah. Now I think it's the right time. Does to it work? At the end, it does work. That's good. That's go- good. And it goes well. Um, I'd pour it on I'm the profiteroles. Not, yeah. Do, do you know what? Why just not? In a blender. Coffee, chocolate. <laughs> yeah. They're good, chuck it they're all good in. mates. Yeah, yeah. They're with a straw. <laughs> Try it on Tintin first, and if he if he survives for ten minutes, then we're off. Or his dog. <laughs> yeah. Or his dog. <laughs> Try it on Snowy. Paint the dog with it. Yeah. What's on the playlist? So again. I was so much pressure knowing I was coming to the, you know, we're recording this, by the way, in, you know, in the Warner's Records building, like with proper musos. Yeah. And it's like, the <laughs> proper musos. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, everyone's like, you horn, we've heard these choices. So I'm like, fuck the pressure. So I thought, I'll go for something a bit, bit cultured and a bit weird with my Lebanese choice. And then Gang of Yous just bang on, smack, great song. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, I'll go for something. Maybe a little weird, they might not have heard of, but obviously they probably know. They probably dumped him from his record deal. I don't know. <laughs> but this man is called Trevor Sensor. Uh, and I came across Trevor Sensor because I'm on Twitch. Uh, you wouldn't know what Twitch is. I'm way too cool. It's for young people like me. Yeah. But I'm on Twitch and I stream. And uh, I, someone showed me this video by Trevor Sensor who looked, he looked like a cross between the drummer from Stereophonics when he was alive and Tom Jones uh, making a really, really cheap video it was just weird in some steel town in america it was called high beams and it was so done on the cheap 
that I kind of loved it and the song was amazing. He was like sort of a weird Bob Dylan. And so I kept watching this video and I kept showing it to everyone on Twitch and we started to analyze the video and we'd have favorite bits. It became really culty for us. And then finally my producer found Trevor Sensor in Chicago. So I thought, great, we'll talk to Trevor Sensor and he'll probably be thrilled that, you know, he's got this little cult following. Jesus Christ, he was he was worse than John McEnroe. Right. Yeah, that's why he's not here at this dinner party. I got him, and he was just like he was in a hotel room. I go, hey Trevor, thanks for joining us. Yeah, what do you want? I go, well, we just really like your song. Oh, great. Trevor was not a happy man. I loved him anyway, but he'd been shat on by the music industry, I think, and he yeah. was he didn't like the music industry, and he felt that you know he hated everything. I liked him immediately, and he said, why are you talking about my old song, which is again another musician thing? Why not this song? So this is the song we're playing. It's called Chiron Galacticus. Great name, catchy, yeah. Trev. And, uh, but I love the song. And in it, the video is amazing. He, lo he looks like, um, who's the guy in, um, who played Jim, uh, Jim Morrison in The Doors? Val Kilmer. In this, he looks like Val Kilmer, as Val Kilmer looks now, tied up trying to escape in black and white. It's the weirdest video. I love this song. It's great. I love the title And also, of song. it gets everyone out of the dinner party. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're just like, right, time to leave. <laughs> Trevor's on. Do you know what? <laughs> I, I was talking about this the other day. You're the first person to say this tactical move. Oh, clear the room. Problem... Clear the room. Uh, yeah. I'm going to crack on with Tintin, so I need everyone else out. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah there is a point, isn't there, where yeah. you've, like, certainly some people love it, don't they? They'll yeah. talk till four in the oh, morning. God. I'm and not that like sociable. This. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do the old, uh, you know, start putting the chairs on the table, lights out, <laughs> nothing. You can't get rid of them. Yeah. So that's why I brought John McEnroe, because I'm pretty sure he'd get rid of people at a certain stage if I asked him. Yeah. Yeah, or he'd take them back to his place. I was. I got a great, great little story to tell. I was in a restaurant once, good restaurant. I'm not gonna, not gonna name it, and um, it had lots of pillars and stuff everywhere. And I was girlfriend at the time. They, we were the last table in there. We were at late table, last one in there, and. Through the reflection of the mirror, I saw the restaurant manager shut the door and lock it, thinking <laughs> that everyone had gone. No. And he just literally fell back in his chair <laughs> and, like, went, <laughs> and, and went, like, he literally out loud went, thank fuck for that. <laughs> <laughs> like this. And then, the, the, like, literally, the waiter team run across, like, two girls run across the floor, and you yeah. could see, but they, what made it worse was they couldn't see that I could see everything oh, in the reflection better. in I this mirror. And they were like, there's two guests behind yeah. the pillar. <laughs> you must have felt like that, though, do you? Have you felt like that? Well, at the end of the shift, yeah. I mean, when it's when it's a hard day, you know, you're just like, Phew, normally that's... when you get rid of, there must be some tricky customers there occasionally, and it's just like, yeah. But I mean, we actually we've always adopted the mentality. They're the ones that we actually try to really kill with kindness. Oh, I hate that. Because actually, it's the kindness they don't want. Yeah, is that true? It's the ones I that hate. That customers yeah. all right. If the yeah. customers are cunt, kick him out. That's what I do. <laughs> this is why I've never set up a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, but. I, but honestly, I do think my both my kids at the moment, uh, my daughter's at Oxford, just drop it in there doing neuroscience, but she does work. And yeah. uh, she was a waitress all through a gap year and yeah. in the holidays. And my boy's a waiter there. And just she just says the way some people treat them yeah. is just outrageous, yeah. basically. Yeah. And she said normally the better off people are, the worse they behave with people. Yeah. And I'm just like, there's no excuse for that. In telly, I was a runner. Uh, I started off as a runner and people behave like... Utter twants. Now I'm sure I behave like a twant. We all have, but I just I think the way you don't behave to people like yeah. beneath you like that. Yeah, and I just yeah. I it, so I couldn't. Yeah, you know. no, no. Oh, I'd, I'd be one of those chefs going, he wants fucking ketchup. Yeah. Right, I'll give him ketchup. I can imagine the restaurant manager coming yeah. and saying, Paul, uh, you, know, you know the waiter, Dom, he's just called table 12 yeah. and see you next Tuesday <laughs> and ask them to leave. But I, 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 people people like that shit. People come for that. You know. Have you? Where do you stand on, has anyone ever sort of tried to, you know, because people, well, if someone genuinely wants ketchup, then yeah. Meal, Personally, I wouldn't give a shit. I mean, yeah. you're a chef, but yeah. when they're doing it, they're trying to be smart asses. They're the ones I hate. Yeah. They're like, oh, look at me. I don't get you. Know, give me some ketchup, will you? Yeah. You just do it, do you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really? Absolutely. You cook some for them. Yeah, right? same as when I came into it. There was always stories when I came into the industry of like chefs that had thrown people out for well done steaks and oh, I love stuff that, yeah. like that. The Jeremy and, Clarkson's, we call them. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, do you know what? You, It's your steak. You've bought it. You've yeah. paid for it. You ruined we'll, it. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll ruin we'll cook it, it for how, you. how you like. Yeah. So. Last question. Yeah. So in my industry, Dom, in hospitality industry, we have like the ultimate accolade for, for me, for us. One? Yeah, we've got Michelin star. I thought that's why you brought this up. And, um, have you got a three star? 
I haven't got three stars. Oh, fucking hell. I know, I what know. I'm sorry. I've got one star. So one star, am I right in this? It's for what I knew. There was an amazing restaurant in La Napoule called the Titu, and it had a Michelin one star. Yeah. But it couldn't get more because all it made was bouillabaisse. Like, it was the best bouillabaisse in the world. But I heard that if you only specialise in one particular thing, you can't get three stars. Is that right, or does I make that up? I would say that's wrong. Okay, Because right. you've got incredible three-star sushi restaurants. There's, oh, okay. there's, there's actually one that's in, um, in a subway. Uh, it's a brilliant film on Netflix, by the I've way. I've seen that. The, in the Dreams Tokyo of Sushi. One. Yeah, oh, Gyro. It's amazing. Just yeah. like six people. Yeah. Oh, and fantastic. he's still there. He's still there now. Amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, I would say, no, that's that's flawed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's okay. correct. But right. I think, yeah, it's... Uh, anyway, the point is, it's the ultimate accolade. You know, like you would have... The, the point your, is, your you've got a Michelin fucking star. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where is your Michelin star restaurant that we can go and visit? Padstow. Oh, is it? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, ah, in Padstow. Okay. Okay. So if you had to pick an artist, yeah. musician, right. who would you give a Michelin star to? I've gone for a band called The Boxer Rebellion, who I think they've got better and better. And if someone had someone had to say to me, what's the band you love that most people don't even know? I'd say Boxer Rebellions. They got lucky, well, not lucky, but they got big in the States because I think their soundtrack was used on something. And there's a song called Diamonds, which was massive for them. But they've never really, I just think they're incredible. And they're three guys... English guys and a singer from Louisiana and so it might be Tennessee maybe but and they're just this weird mix and they're called the Boxer Rebellion which is a kind of great name but also a shit name it's like what is that about and it's just they've got better and better and better and um their last album Ghost Alive I I walked across Lebanon with that just listening to it it's just fantastic I just think the Boxer Rebellion deserve much more than they've got and uh, I'm Twitter mates with the with the drummer we talk a lot yeah, uh, I just, I just think they're nice, and they've never got. I just think I'd love to see Boxer Rebellion suddenly just break out. Yes, yes. Dom Jolly, it's been an absolute pleasure. I haven't stopped of, talking really, so that's no, what that's left, what it's but, all yeah. about. It's yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah it'd be weird guests. if I just was quiet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, put a meeting. Like, like, quiet, like Trevor. <laughs> like Trevor. Yeah. Tell you what, tell you what, listen to Trevor's music, but not one for the podcast. No, no. <laughs> he's quite a quiet guy. Oh, I've really loved that. Thanks. Brilliant for now. It's been a pleasure to have you and great dinner party, great guests, great yeah, songs. Well cooked, by the way. You can come yeah, in. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't. All I did was make receipts. Yeah, I know, but that's great. Got everyone going calm calm McEnroe down Tintin's under the table but fuck it <laughs> amazing thanks Dom hope you've enjoyed it no Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.